Welcome back to the Peaked Too Early podcast. There are two matches down, and because we are always a prompt recording podcast, this is episode two of the Peaked Too Early podcast. I am your host, Blake Munchell. I am joined by the ever-lovely Oscar Saywell. Oscar, how are you doing? Hello, Blake. I am well. We have just spent 15 minutes between the two of us trying to figure out our mics, I know that my mic has been pretty off for the past two pods. Kind of hoping that I'm lucky. Hopefully it sounds okay. But other than that, I'm good. Did I watch as much football as I wanted to this weekend? I don't think so. But I still managed to catch a few good games and a few frustrating ones. And I'm ready to talk about it. I'm particularly excited to talk to you about Manchester United. How are you? Heat wave well, in Austria again? Um, we're, we're getting there. Thursday will be the, the peak. Um, but, uh, I have 15 days until I return to so close the United States, which is, mm-hmm. uh, terrifying and exciting. Yeah. I, last week, I did not watch too much football because I was in Budapest. This Ooh. week, I also did not watch too much football. Yeah. I was in Croatia. Globetrotter. Um, and so to open this podcast, I have a question for you. Um, the first one is, or two questions. The first one's very easy. Okay. Who is the last Croatian player to play for West Ham? Uh, Vlasic. Very good. The pickle man himself. And man. who was the last Croatian player to play for Newcastle United? Oh. In the Premier League. Ooh. Uh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Um, uh, do I get, oh, you only get one guess. I only get one guess and I get no, I get no, uh, no hint. Just guess a common Croatian last name. Um, oh, I almost said Mark Viduka, but he's Australian. Um, okay, okay. Oh man. I literally only know. And he played for you. No, I don't know, Blake. I don't know. I don't know. Who? Well, I would have been amazed if you could have gotten this, considering uh, he played in the 1999 2000 season. Silvio Maric. Never even heard of him. Yeah, um, pretty much only had a successful career in the Croatian leagues. Oh, interesting. I think his that time was... at Newcastle was quite... Poor. Before our time, Blake, before our time. Uh, well... Well, we were I alive, but not watching alive. football. Well, I was, yeah, 98 as well, but, you know, we weren't, we weren't paying yeah, much attention to football. I, I am a 98 baby. You're old. For your I am old. Um, yeah, um... Yeah, I have no idea who Silvio Maric is. Um, no. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that there's not been too many Croatians at Newcastle. I um, um I, I almost went for Mark Viduka, despite the fact that he's Australian, because his, he's, his cousin is Luka Modric. Did you know that? Yes, but they both are... Luka Modric, his parents... Aren't Croatian? Is that right? Uh, I mean, they're Yugoslavian, so, right? Or like, yeah, he was born pre war. 
Wait, but they um, were. I want to say that want, they were not Bosnian, maybe. What is now? Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, um, oh my goodness! You know what? I just got so distracted by creations that I forgot that we're going to talk about football. Um, you did not manage to watch that much football because you were in Croatia. Um, but what have you caught and what interests you about this weekend? Well, I'm sorry. I watched Nottingham Forest West Ham. Ooh, I know you were texting um, me about that. I you know, got bits and pieces of the Brighton-Newcastle match. I got bits and pieces of the Chelsea-Spurs match. And I got uh-huh. bits and pieces of the Liverpool-Palace match. Because I was yeah, back I for- I forgot that one was on yesterday. Literally completely passed me by. So, um, but I think, Blake, that it was probably the most interesting at the top of the league, this match day, slash the traditional top six, if you want to call it that, which obviously includes Manchester United. I'm wondering if we might start with Man U because I have a little game to play with you about them. Okay, I think that's very fair. And I think it would probably... There's only two real headliner matches this match day. Yeah, I agree with you. I, agree I think with it you. makes sense to start with one of them and end with the other. Um, so, yeah, the Manchester United losing 4-0 to Brentford um, at, you know, away at, at Brentford Stadium. Um, and they were 4-0 down actually in 35 minutes. So, you know, it's <laughs> A, hilarious. B, you know, there's all these great stats like... Man, you haven't conceded that many goals to Brentford over the, you know, past however many fixtures, and they haven't lost or they haven't been that many goals down in the first half since I don't know nineteen thirties or all these you know all these stats that you expect. It was a, a another dire performance from Manchester United. Before we delve into the match itself, I want to play a little game with you, Blake. I want to replicate. I don't know if you saw Can this. Actually... What? Yeah, go. Can I start with a quick question before yes. you fully take this? Okay. Um, just a general footballing opinion that I'm interested in. Do you think mm-hmm. it's worse to be 4-0 down after 35 minutes, or do you think it's worse to be 4-0 down at the 90th minute with each all the goals spread out? Um, I will go the latter because I think that let's just put Manchester United to the side. Any football team can have moments of absolute madness and find themselves three, four goals down in like quick succession. Like it happened to Liverpool last season or a couple of seasons ago, right? A couple of seasons ago against Villa. Um, it, it happens to football clubs. And so, yeah, I think if it's over the 90 minutes, it means that you've just been solidly beaten everywhere for the entire 90. So yeah. Yes. I could not agree more. What the game I little game I want to play with you, Blake, is I want to replicate what Gary Neville and, and Carragher did on Sky Sports. I don't know if you saw this. But they essentially put together a list of major signings Manchester United have made since 2013. And they they basically rated them. Green, amber, or red for f- failure. Yeah. I don't want to do it exactly like that because that will take a lot of time. But what I do want to do is to get your gut reaction as I read out these names one by one. I want you to tell me if you think 
it's a success or a failure, and you can throw in an undecided here and there if you want. I want you to try to be objective, because, I mean, we hate all of these players, right? It's fine. But also fast, okay? Because I'm just curious to see how you gut react to these players that I'm going to read out. Does that sound like a fun game to you? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to list off the names. I just want you to say success or failure or throw in an undecided after each one. Here we go. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Success. Bruno Fernandes. Success. Nemanja Matic. Success. Herrera, and Herrera. Failure. Luke Shaw. Failure. Fred. Undecided. So hard. Edinson Cavani. Did they purchase him? Or is he a yes, they did. Agent? That's, I, it's sign, signings. Never mind, purchases. Signings. Oh. Um... His success. I don't remember him being very expensive. Harry Maguire. Success. Oh, Ooh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Like failure, failure, failure. Oh, okay, failure. failure. Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Um, success on the okay. Maron Fellaini. Success. Juan Mata. Failure. Uh, Marcus Rocco. Success. Success. Okay, Angel Di Maria. He was formidable. We're going faster now. Wow. We can talk about Angel Di Maria. I want your gut reactions. Di Maria. Oh, failure. Failure. Blint. 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 Um, never a good enough player for okay. Manchester United standards. Memphis Depay. Huge failure. Probably the biggest one. Matteo Damian. I forgot he even played for them. Morgan Schneidlin. Huge failure. Anthony Martial. Huge, probably the biggest failure on the list. Eric Bailly. Success. Alexis Sanchez. Failure. Huge failure. Henrik, Henrik Mkhitaryan. Undecided. Pogba. Leaning, leaning success. Paul Pogba, also undecided. Lukaku. Huge failure. Lindelof. Huge failure. Diogo Dalot. Huge failure. James. Massive failure. Juan Bissaka. Massive, massive, massive San- failure. Sancho. Sancho. Huge, you know, as bad as some of the worst of them. And finally, Rafa Varane. It looks like it'll be a failure. All right. So you are actually much kinder than Neville and Carragher, they had, I think, Ibra and Fernandez as outright successes. They threw in Maguire, Ronaldo, Cavani, players like that into like a amber, like kind of a success. Every single other player was, a, was an outright failure. Um, oh. So you were a little bit kinder. I'm super surprised about, I would say, I don't think Anthony Martial needs to be a huge failure, literally because he had one season where he scored 20 goals. And he was part of the team that won the Europa League. So, but the rest, I agree with you, right? I think that you look at those players that, that they've recruited and most of them you can put in the failure category and it just doesn't appear like that's going to change anytime soon. Do you want to elaborate on any of your opinions on those players? Um, or like the yeah. general state of the transfer, you know, so business Aaron that they've Ryan, done? They put in Amber. 
Yeah, they put him as like a kind of a success. I mean, well, he had 16 games where he looked like he was going to be the best center back in the world. Right, exactly. Um, and then he's, what, appeared over 100 times for Manchester United already? Um, Probably got to be already, right? Yeah, and we know he's done a lot more damage. Um, but I think it would lean failure, especially for what they paid. Ronaldo, on the pitch, he got them, whatever, 18 goals last year. Um so I think um, on the pitch, he is a success. Uh, but depending on how much you, know, you weight the off-the-pitch uh, you know, destruction of the locker room, um, I can definitely see that getting either a success or a failure. Yeah. Um, Arwan Fellaini, um, I, I, I don't know. I always just felt he was a little bit uh, underappreciated. I agree. Um, I think he was a fine player. Um, then, who else? Um, yeah, I Paul mean, Pogba, the... Yeah. Paul Pogba is just... The business surrounding him was awful, but um, you know, he, he's undeniably a phenomenal player. Yeah. I, I Look, I think the, the, the purpose of this little game wasn't necessarily to go through in super like great detail each of the signings and sort of ponder to ourselves like if they are successful failure um because that you know that can be a whole pod for itself but it, it sort of does lead into the question right like who do you blame for manchester united's systemic failures over the past decade is it the players is it the managers is it the owners is it everyone because pundits and and analysts seem to be super divided on this right now. There are those that say that it's really all on the players and the players aren't good enough. There are those that say that it should be on the management and the, and the, the board who bring in these players, who coach these players. So, you know, I don't know, on Sunday, was it whenever they played, did you think that it was all on the players? Do you think Ten Hag's got it wrong? Like, what's going on with them? Well... Um... What was the quote last season? Um, I don't even remember who said it, but it was like, when the team fails to create chances, that's on me. And when mm. the team fails to score those chances, that's on them. Oh, I don't is know. That, who, is, yeah. I feel like Tuchel, it's maybe? Me. Oh, I thought it was a Mourinho quote. Um, but... In this match, did Manchester United create any real chances? Um, I think they hit the uh, bar and post once, and maybe that was their most mm. clear-cut chance. And then outside of that, you know, if someone other than De Gea is playing in goal, is this a 2 nothing Brentford win? Yeah. Because um, both of the first two goals are just undeniably a gift from De Gea. And then if it's only yeah. a 2-0 uh, Brentford win, are we talking about this match is such a great calamity? Um, you know, going away against any team in the Premier League is a very tough ordeal. Um, and Brentford had some good players and they have a good system. And I really don't think if this was a 2-0 match, we'd be talking about it the same way. But it wasn't a 2-0 match. Um, 
And I think, uh, one, we've talked about this before, Manchester United are an incredibly mentally weak squad. Um, They are prone to this. They've lost, I think, 11 of their last 12 away matches in the Premier League, Um, which, you know, it is... You know, any team can win at home, but going away and winning at another team's uh, stadium surrounded by opposing fans takes, you know, quite a lot of mental fortitude. Um, And I think going 4-0 down in the first 35 minutes, you know, is definitely a symptom of a team struggling. Um, And then also the comments post-match by Manchester United players, I don't know if they've been named or not, but... The it's about how they need help. Um, yeah, that's just not a quote professional footballers ever make. Um, you know, most quotes are, Yeah, we really believe in ourselves, and if we buy into what the manager is saying, we can you know, do really well this year. So, I'm not, I think the one, it's a Ten Hag issue because it's the manager's job to make players feel confident that they can go out in any match and win. I think if after the match the players say, well, we need help, we need more players, you know, we're not good enough, that's a failure from the manager. Yeah. Um, but also, I think undeniably this was an issue with Uwar, Luke Shaw, David De Gea, who were all terrible. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't even know who else was in the Manchester United backline. Um, Lissandra Martinez, who's probably got the most uh, criticism out of any Manchester United player for this match, but I don't know how warranted that is. Um, for all the criticism I've seen him receive, I've also seen an equal number of people say, well, actually, Lissandra Martinez is not the issue. Um, yeah, and then Giordello, I've never, never rated. Yeah, I, I think, look, I think that I agree with all those points. And, and something else that I'm really sick of hearing now is that every time something bad happens to Manchester United or something like this happens, people say, oh, it's the new low for Man U. The new low for Man U. And at what point are we going to stop saying it's like it's hit a new low, right? Or it's hit rock, rock bottom. Because frankly, I mean, like, well, it's not rock bottom, right? It's like what's below rock. I don't know. Magma? Magma bottom? Like, it, I, I just like, it's so unhelpful. And Manchester United fans have to, just have to extricate themselves from this old school winning mentality kind of, you know, we deserve to keep it messy thing. Otherwise, you know, like we've said countless times before, they're just going to drown in it. Um, to wrap up the Man U chat, if there's a quick fix for Manchester United, what is it at this point in time? Squad overhaul. Um, yeah. But they're trying to do that and they, they can't. They can't. They can't. Now they can't even get Rabio through because his wage demands are too high. You know, like, no one wants to come to them. Right. I mean, it's equal parts getting players in and getting players out. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, this is the, you know, why I never support, you know, bringing in players who 
totally upset the wage structure of a squad is because if things start to go south and you need to move them on, it becomes next to impossible, which is an issue that Newcastle had for a long time is uh, they were doing really well. They brought in a bunch of players on huge wages and then had this issue where they had an extremely bloated squad with huge wages that they couldn't get rid of any of these players. And it resulted in things like White Gale on 80K a week. um, Yeah. uh, not playing any football for four years. Um, yeah. And finally, Newcastle getting rid of them for a free. Right, um, exactly. And it's what Leicester are going through right now. Um, but, um, yes, I think, you know, you need a total squad overhaul. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, but I don't even know how you get rid of the Manchester United mentality. Um New no, players I, I don't know either. We'll have the same mentality and face the same insane pressure from the fan base that makes no sense. And um, I don't know. I don't really see a way for Manchester United to succeed no. in the short term. Um, no, I agree. I think it's 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 doomed. It's just doomed. Yeah, I guess just um, trust the Ten Hag process for the next four years and let him. Yeah. Recycle the Manchester United squad into the Ajax yeah. squad. Um and just have Ajax playing in the Premier League. Yeah. And I just saw the Rabio deal is officially off. Uh they were trying to make him one of their highest earners and he wanted even more. And uh now That's it's off. epic. I hate Rabio, but uh, I love that. Yeah, he's the worst. Amazing. It's hilarious. Amazing stuff from Manchester United. All right, where to next, Blake? Oh, or do you want to praise Brentford for a bit? I, 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 I don't want to fall into that trap either. I mean, they were excellent, um, albeit against a frankly rubbish side. I, I don't know if there's much more to say than that. Well, okay, so I'll just say the first two goals were gifts. Uh, the third yeah. goal was a very classic shithousing goal. Um, yeah. Just like massive English center halves throwing their body around. Um, yeah. But the fourth goal was gorgeous i love those types of goals um yeah ivan tony is an incredible player um and i think it's it's pretty interesting like he's a very um unique type of player where he has all the characteristics of a very classic target man yeah. he's massive he's strong he has great positioning he's great at hold up play but then also you see on like this goal you know, he can drift out wide, um, play as that strange half striker, half winger player. Yeah. Nine and, um, and yeah, nine and a very half. effective. Um and uh yeah, you know, I love Ivan Tony. Um he hates Newcastle, but we still love him. Um <laughs> so uh yeah, you know, Brentford were very good, but uh you know, I don't expect to finish top half or anything. Um, no. Just... And my, uh, yeah, my Manchester United prediction for them to finish fifth looks absolutely laughable at this point. Yeah. Two weeks in and it's already imploded, Blake, the predictions. Okay. Where well, to next? You s- yeah. I'll just say, you know, obviously Manchester United in 20th. Uh, but just I know, excellent them. stuff. West Ham. West Ham in 19th. Yeah. Just above yeah. them, Everton. My Everton, yeah. dream bottom three, um, if you were not a West Ham fan. 
Oh, wow, that's harsh. Even if I wasn't a West Ham yeah. fan, you wouldn't rather someone else in there. Villa, surely you'd want Villa down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah Leeds. No. You hate like, Leeds. Yeah. Yeah, there's just like the weird uh, fake rivalry between West Ham and Newcastle. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Although yeah. I think it's, it's you know, season on season, I think it's, it's more more based on mutual respect to this rivalry. Whereas it um, used to be born of like hatred because we were relegation favorites, the two yeah. of us. But now it's, you know, well, I know we're in 19th, but fingers crossed. Now it's different. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's the classic, like, I think the last time West Ham were relegated, they lost yeah. against Newcastle to be relegated. Yeah. So yeah, you know, exactly. fans take the piss. And, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's um, move on from talking about abject Manchester United. Um, the where to move on uh, we should not talk about Brighton Newcastle uh, it was not worth any discussion um, we can discuss Aston Villa 2 Everton 1 oh yes yeah. Um, sure. I don't know how interesting it is to talk about on the pitch um of course, did not watch this, but Everton very much got a consolation goal right at the very end. Um, mm. But I think more importantly than this is the off-the-field rumors about Everton, who, despite their extreme lack in attack, it looks like Delhi Ali will be leaving on loan to yes. Turkey. Beshiktas. I have um, this in my notes, too. Which is interesting. It means up top they have Anthony Gordon, who's a brick glass in case of emergency striker, and Salomon Rondon. So yeah, maybe we just see full shithousery Sean Dyche yeah, Everton this year. Yeah, yeah. And Gordon subject to multiple bids from Chelsea as well. 45 million is the latest. So. Um, do you see the David Squires comic? Um, I did not yesterday. Um, it, you know, most of it was just about Tuchel um, and Conte, but uh, there was a nice little paint in there about Anthony Gordon borrowing uh, Lady Diana's haircut. Um, I was like, oh, oh. very clever. Um, that is funny. But uh, yeah, Everton, what are they doing? Um, I have absolutely no clue. As usual, no. You know what? That's unfair. That's unfair. They, they, whatever's going on with Deli Ali is a separate issue. I actually think that he's been fairly useful, and and certainly he's been putting a shift in every time I've seen him play the Everton under Lampard. But it seems like yet again he's not fancied by the manager, and that's been what four four managers now have sort of come in and and not really fancied him. So, so something's just not right there. But we we've known that. I would be a Slightly sad for him to go to Besiktas. Turkish lead is Turkish lead is a bit of a wilderness, but you know he could, I suppose, could thrive there. I don't know what he wants out of his football career at this point. So, um, you know, Everton still strongly. I, I'm sure they'll get Adrissa guy back in. Um, Anana, who almost joined West Ham, but obviously joined Everton instead, came on in this match and looked really excellent. Um, I thought just like very powerful, great um, dribbler held the ball really well and, and was really like eager to attack the box um, which you know is 
something that no, oh, I mean, like, Everton midfielders don't do that apart from maybe Tom Davis. And Tom Davis, I think, probably just lacks the technical skills to do it effectively in the Premier League. Um, Solomon Rondon is old, but looked all right. Um, so I agree with you. He could be a bit of a shithouse um, this season, and that's fine. You know, eventually Dominic Calvert-Lewin will get back, and you, fingers crossed, eventually Dominic Calvert-Lewin will get over these injuries. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's been a, a few other, you know, links as well. And so I, I'm, I'm fairly unchanged from last week. I still think that there are worse teams in this league than Everton, especially if they just fire the manager who I, you know, we all know that we dislike. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of this match, I thought it was a, it was a good win for Villa after our criticism of them last um, week. Uh, there was a great goal by Danny Ings. If you get that guy's firing, uh, you're fine. Um, Mings was back in the starting lineup. I thought that would amuse you. I thought he looked quite shaky. Um, or he had some just bizarre moments, as he usually does. But overall, he was fine. Um and so, you know, there's positives for Everton. There's green shoots for Everton, as there typically has been during Lampard's tenure. It's just about whether they can um, uh, they can uh, sustain that. And as for Gerard's Villa, um, you know, it's it's about building on on good passages of play, on good performances, and hoping the points come with that. Um, Gerard seems pretty calm post match, uh, so not getting too high and not getting too low, I guess is is his modus operandi right now. Yes, um, and as much as this was a good win for Aston Villa, they do lose Diego Carlos for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah, um, I've got that one. Yeah, wow. Confirmed How impactful do you think that is? Well, Do you think that's a big deal? Like, we criticized him a lot last week. We didn't think he was very good. So, um, I just think it's like they, you know, they invested a lot um, into him. And then all of a sudden he's injured, which reverts their back line to what it was last season. Um, and so now you think they have to invest probably equally as much as they did into Diego Carlos. Um, right. So I think it's just a massive blow to the composition of the squad, which is already, yeah. you know, very precarious with some massive earners mixed in with some, you know, cheap players. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. Um, I, you know, predicted they'd finish sixth or whatever. So I guess I should yeah. you know, say that this I've seen... match shows that they can win, blah, 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 blah. I've seen that they've been linked with Jason Denier, X-Man City, X-Leon player, who's currently a free agent at centre-back cover. Although he seems to be attracting a lot of um, a lot of suitors, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see All right. So I think the other major fixture of this weekend is Chelsea Tottenham. But before we get into that, I want to touch on Arsenal Leicester. Um, it was a four-two victory for Arsenal, and you know a second strong performance from the Gunners. And I thought that once again that attack was looking extremely fluid. Gabriel Jesus was looking incredible. And apparently he was raging in the dressing room afterwards because he thought he should have scored four. Apparently he was like inconsolable, which I think is, you know, a bit of a Guardiola legacy there, right? Where it's like you're never satisfied, which is, you know, speaking of Man U and 
dressing room cultures, it's something that you really want. Um, and it's the type of character that Arsenal have been looking for um, since Wenger. And I, I think they're finding it now in the likes of Jesus. Um, William Saliba, once again, looking great, apart from an absolutely horrible own goal. I don't know if you saw it, but he's basically just nodded the ball past Ramsdale for basically no reason. Um, uh, it was an attempt at a back pass, I guess. That was embarrassing, but um, the Arsenal fans applauded him. Um, and when that happened, I was just thinking, I've actually not seen Arsenal fans this happy in years, like years, since probably the young Jack Wilshere, Aaron Ramsey, uh, you know, seasons. Um, and so that was odd to see. And also I didn't like it because I don't think they deserve to be happy. Um, and I, I also, look, I also think this match was a, was a game of goalkeepers. I was pretty unimpressed with Ramsell again. I thought he was chaotic, rushed out again. Um, there was a couple of big mistakes by Ward. Uh, Ramsdale let that shot from Madison go through his legs. Um, I'm very curious. I'd be curious to be a fly on the wall in you know secret meetings in Arsenal dressing room between Arteta and his advisors because I wonder if they're a bit worried about Ramsdale's development, but we sort of reflected on that last week, so we don't have to talk much more about it. But yeah, I just wanted to shout out this game just because it was very entertaining. Um, I don't know if you caught this, or if you have any opinions on it, but I'm happy to move on. Um, if not, no, I was solidly um, in the middle of going pub to pub in Croatia. Mm. Um, yeah, we tried to go to a uh, a Liverpool bar to uh, try to watch. Oh, some, but. Uh, it was closed for a wedding, and then I told them no. I to go to the Liverpool bar anyways, and they laughed, and they said That's funny. that, uh, I don't know, they said some stuff in some very thick Scouse accents. Um, <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah, actually, that's fine. Yeah, but, um, you know, one of the friends I was traveling with is a Arsenal supporter. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, he... Pretty much stands the same way. He th- he likes Aaron Ramsdale because he's entertaining, um, cool. but just doesn't think he's um, a very reliable goalkeeper. Yeah. Well, look, I think you know, I like we've said before. I would still say Jerry's still out. Him, he's like twenty three. He could turn into a reliable goalkeeper, and and he's shown periods where he can be reliable. But you know, it's it's one of those right now. I think. Um, shall we talk about? Maybe the most exciting match of the weekend. Should we talk about Chelsea Tottenham, Blake? Uh, how about let's leave that for the very end. Okay, yeah. End um, on a high. There were some other matches we don't really have to talk about. Um, Manchester City, after looking like they were warming up against West Ham, uh, mm-hmm. looked fully at the go. Yeah, functional. Yeah. Um, Leeds withdrawn with Southampton. Um, Two very equal teams in my eyes. Um, Wolves would draw with Fulham, which I think was pretty interesting, but uh, I don't know. Mm. You know. I don't think it really teaches us much about either team. Mm. Nottingham Forest, Taiwo Awani gets his first goal of the Boo, season. Terrible. Down West Ham. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, on that really fast, on that really fast, I think that. Nottingham Forest was, was somehow both better than us and also incredibly lucky to win because we just had no luck in this match. We had a goal ruled out for a foul. We had two off the bar. We had a save penalty. 
It was a horrible goal from our knee. Um, and I don't also kudos to Nottingham Forest, but I actually, I'm actually not sure what we've learned about them because they've had two polar opposite performances in opening match days, and their recruitment is still going through the roof. Um, so I, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how they unfold. Uh, I also just want to put out there I'm very annoyed at Antonio for his behaviour. Um, and quick transfer update: we got Carrera all but through the door. That was my quick West Ham oh, update. Uncle yeah. Carrera? No, Carrera, the PSG guy. Oh, oh, oh my god, Angel Carrera would be quite something. But no, T- Timo Carrera. Germany is Germany national team's fastest player, apparently. Which uh, is, okay, that is interesting. Yeah. And thank God for some squad depth for West Ham. Yes, yes. We also, we are in talks for Chelsea's Emerson Palmieri, which I found quite curious. He is a left back, left wing back. Yes, but, part of the Conte yeah. era. Yes, the Conte era. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, my only thoughts on this match were what I lived through in you texting me, which was a lot of mm. capital letters, a lot yes. of uh, I'm fuming. Um, I was fuming. Um, yes. Yeah, I think there's an excellent place in the Premier League for really shitty goals by recently. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I would agree That's with that. Peak, you know, like the stereotype is gorgeous goals going in and the announcer screaming, this is why you watch the Premier League. Um, but really, 50% of goals that happen in the Premier League are these like really scrappy, ugly goals. Um, yeah. And uh, I love it. I love, you know, you know, I love results like this, even if it's against a team that might very dear friend supports. Um, you know, it feels less bad, I think, when it's mm. a really shitty, unlucky goal um, than if it's like a well-worked. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you just say, oh, you know, this, these are things that happens. Um, yeah. And then the only other match that you know we can talk about for a split second is Liverpool Palace, um, a 1-1 draw continuing. Liverpool's stumbling out of the starting blocks. Um, yeah. Not too much to talk about other than Darwin Nunez's red card, which I think is like a classic, mature, not quite ready for the mental yeah, aspect of the Premier League. I think so too. Yeah. Had gone. Um, and I mean, he was like trying to get a red card. It was his. He was. It was very. I think it was quite exist. It was an existential red, as the Stadio lot would say. Um, because he had missed a chance, right, and he wasn't doing much, and it, it was, he sort of got that red to feel, feel something, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am not too fond of players acting this way, so um, I don't like Liverpool, and I don't like Darwin Nunez, so... Uh, yes. Yeah, it's fine by me. Um, and <laughs> then finally, I think the match that amazingly got people to shut up about the Brentford Manchester United match. Um yeah. Chelsea two, Tottenham two. Oscar game. what what is more entertaining? The 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 zero to ninety minutes or the ninety minutes after? Uh honestly, I mean this game was fantastic. Um I'm I'm a bit I'm bored I'm a bit bored by the the antics of you know, so-called macho men. Um, 
I think it's very childish. I, I was absolutely infuriated by Graeme Souness's comments. I don't know if you caught those, um, which has caused a furore, at least in UK media, um, over the past couple of days. Um, and yeah, you know, I think that the, I still think this match was just one for the ages. I, despite the fact I hate Chelsea, I think it was scandalous that Tottenham got a point out of this. Uh, fouls that were missed, horrible refereeing performances, uh, massively disrupted game. Um, I thought Chelsea were way better than Tottenham, um, which really surprised me because I'm, I'm big on Tottenham and I, I don't think Chelsea are in a very good place at all. Um, you know, I think maybe the fact that Tottenham came back and drew 2-2 is, says something about the resilience that they're learning under Antonio Conte. I think last season and the season before, they never would have done that. Um, but my God, they were lucky to be able to do it. And Kane scored in August. So it was, it was full of controversy and it was a great game. What do you think about it? Take me through it from your perspective. Well, I fully agree. I think uh, it's kind of a characteristic of Conte squads that they can do this really, you know, mm. matches where at the end you're like, how did they end up with a point? Or how did they end up with a win? Mm. Um, you know, I think Conte is that type of manager. Um, and Tottenham certainly have the squad to, you know, even if they play like shit, they have tons of, you know, players who can give you a goal at a random moment. Um, yeah. Last of which is Harry Kane, who uh, is, you know, the closest thing we'll get to Alan Shearer um, in my lifetime. But he will not yeah. break Alan Shearer's record. Well, um, hold on, Mike. Maybe. Uh, yeah, God, I hope not. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think this is a very interesting match, and there's like a ton of different angles that we can talk about this for. Yeah. First, I will say, I think Kaladu Koulibaly, to nobody's surprise, will be an absolute menace. Mm. Um, he is pretty incredible. There is not many six foot six players who uh, can move like him, who are as strong and dominating as him. But, yeah, and who can do a half volley scissor kick um, on a corner kick routine yeah uh, what a goal oh, yeah a goal. I, I feel yeah. like no one you know that's like the least bit talked about part mm. of this match um then there's the your emil hoybier uh goal scored from outside the box that i think is it richarlison who's offsides for this goal um that is ruled not yes. to have interfered with play. blocks the yeah yeah I I kind of agree with Ben Foster that even if he doesn't touch the ball and isn't super near it, the goalkeeper has to think about it. And because of that, right. he is technically interfering with play. Yeah. Because um, the goalkeeper has to hold his dive. Um, but uh, that being said, don't really care. Um, sure. Yeah, these things happen. Um, you know, it's the... This is where like the true subjectivity of offsides comes into play. Um, mm. It's like, did he interfere or not? Um, and no, he did not interfere. So I understand why this stood. I don't think this is too bad of a referee's decision. I understand the grief with it, but I think 
this decision is not the worst of the referee's decisions for this match. Yeah. Um, and there's the Reese James goal. Um, who had the assist on this? Is this Raheem Sterling? Yeah, it's Sterling. I really thought Raheem Sterling was going to mess that up. Um, he was excellent in this game, I thought. It, I just thought it was going to be the classic, you know, the square pass is the easy decision, and the mm, and he would go for goal. Dribbling, yeah. yeah, to try to take the goal for themselves. Great, um, great goal by James, actually, I thought. Really placed that really well. Um, yeah, you know, and arrived in the box at the right time, and that's the kind of play that Reese James is. Um, and then... Uh, all right. Was the Romero tackle on Kai Havertz leading up to the, the Hoiberg goal or the Hurricane goal? Hoy, the Hoiberg goal, right? Okay. So that's, I think, my first point to discuss with uh, you. Yeah, I think that's awful. You think that's a terrible refereeing decision? I think that's. I think that's. That is an absolutely awful refereeing decision. Yeah, I really do. I just don't understand. I, I think. He doesn't even get the ball. I don't understand. Like he goes to ground and only gets man. Like I don't, I don't understand how that's not pulled back. It seems scandalous to me. No. Uh. Okay. So hold on. Let me. I wish I had it up. Um. Kai Huberts does not go to ground on this, right? No. What this one? Yeah. I thought. Isn't it a slide tackle? And and he only gets the shins Kai of the Hubert's player. Doesn't go down. Okay, okay. Right, no. He doesn't. Yeah, I think that might be a large part of the reason why this wasn't oh, okay. So, you okay. know, maybe the wrong decision, but um, sure. Like, I understand why it's called. From the first angle, the angle where you can see you're looking face-on for both players, Yeah, it does look like he gets the ball. Um, mm-hmm. At first, I was like, okay, that's a great tackle. Then... You know, this is a, a play where, in my opinion, after watching it two or three times, you see that he didn't get the ball. Okay. But, I mean, to me, if you have to look two or three times before, you can say, okay, well, he didn't get the ball. Yeah. You can't really blame the referee for missing it. Um, but that being said, I have no idea where the referee is in this play. So I don't know what angle he was seeing. Um, okay. I just think it's. I didn't think it was such a bad challenge that, you know, like referees miss these like these types of challenges all the time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, you know, complaining about refereeing. Referees are always terrible. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And they miss fifty percent of these challenges, and then they call fifty percent of challenges that so, are fouls, fouls. So, what about the the hair, the hair pull then? Okay, the hair pull is really bad. That one, yes. Yeah. But is that? It's not a rule, but it, it should be violent conduct. There is no rule against pulling hair, but it so should be violent conduct, good. right? Yeah, so that's an interesting part of the NFL. Is that the NFL? decision is a player chooses to have long hair you know and you're not allowed to touch their hair that yeah. gives the player an advantage because there's 
a larger surface area where you cannot make a tackle from. Um, so the ruling yeah. for the NFL is you can choose to have long hair, but if a player chooses to tackle you from the hair, then it's fine. Okay. So for this, you know, if you're trying to, you know, like the the player gets away from you, and so you grab onto the back of the player's shirt um, to prevent them from really getting away from you. If a player has really long hair, yeah, you try to grab the back of their shirt, and you happen to get their hair. Is that, you know, an egregious foul? Um, no, but that's uh, that's not what. Yeah, I know. Not what happened here, just, right? Yeah, I'm just giving you a hypothetical. Sure. So then where does it stop? If a player has hair that covers the entirety of the back of their body, so they yeah. could never theoretically be grabbed without it being violent conduct. Um, yeah. I... And that'd give them an advantage. So like, I understand that side of it, but I agree when it's this blatant. Um, it's so blatant, right? Like it's just the, common sense. Yeah. The David Squires yeah. had um, Romero wearing said, no, I had Antonio Conte wearing uh, Cucurella's scalp as, like, a wig. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, so, one, yes, it should not be allowed. Um, two, I think there's this gray area um, where it'd be really hard to define a rule that doesn't mm. give an advantage to players who have long hair. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. I just think you know, obviously in this case it was it was it was ridiculous. Um, and then and then I think the Rashad, I think that Richarlison is offside as well. That's fair. Three fouls into the three controversial fouls in the yeah. buildup of a goal. They add up to one overturned goal. No, apparently they do not. I I, um, I think it's it's genuinely one of the most unfair like results I've seen based on refereeing decisions and play because I thought Chelsea were way better than Tottenham everywhere on the pitch apart from maybe goalkeeper and and um, the refereeing decisions were scandalous I really did I really thought it was rubbish wasn't there also some VAR controversy about that goal um y- yeah because they determined Chelsea had had a spell of play so they couldn't overrule it in VAR yeah, that was some, the yeah. deal with the Romero tackle on Everts. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Weird. You know, I think you know the way the yeah. Premier League has handled VAR is you know a farce. Um, that's Pretty what weird. we talked about. So, um, and then finally, of course, you know, uh, Harry Kane scores the equalizer in the 96th minute after. Uh, Tons of time wasting and um, mm. ticky tacky fouls and yeah, um, you know, in the end, excellent game management from Tottenham. So, I guess they get what they they played for. Yeah, um, agreed, agreed. Yeah, you know, I think in the end, sure, Chelsea deserved more than a draw, but. Um, in terms of like the refereeing decisions, you know, unfortunately we deal with these, you know, referees dictating the outcomes of matches way mm. more often than we would like. So 
Um, don't think there's any like reason to ban. Uh, what's his face? Is this Martin Taylor? Steve yes, Taylor? Martin Taylor. He's gonna referee uh, our game this this weekend. It was just announced to much for all. Yeah. yeah, I think like banning him from ever uh, refereeing a Chelsea match ever again is ridiculous. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's no like Mike Dean who is. Uh, he, yeah, well, he's he's from now, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess, I don't know, how do you fix, you know, all this controversy? Um, then I'd like to talk to you about the after-the-match antics. How do I fix the controversy? Is that like a, do you want me to answer that? Because uh, other than fixing VAR, of any, like, is there a way to prevent Tottenham no. from... No. Playing the way no, they do? No, because they this is... Rewarded no, this is... they played. This is, I mean, other than other than VAR doing a proper job and the referee doing a proper job, no, I don't think so. Because what else can you do? I mean, the rules, the rules are there. Like, you shouldn't be allowing that kind of stuff to happen. I think it's very simple. I just think it's just an example of a terrible, terrible string of decisions, basically. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm also surprised. You know, this didn't end up to. Like normally we see when there's so many bad refereeing decisions that the yeah. game, especially one with great stakes, you know, turns into a bit of a shit show. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm surprised there was nothing boiling over too much, um, except for the end of the match, which saw mm. um, quite the the Broadway, uh, you know, drama. Uh, between Tuchel and Conte, and I want to know, in your opinion, which managers, uh, what are the, you know, uh, appearance took more of a dam took more damage from the kerfuffle at the end of the match. Who came away worse in the eyes of the media? Oh, in the eyes, of, that's really hard because I think. Conte came away from it worse because of the tweet or the Instagram thing he did where he was like, I should have tripped you up, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I didn't even see But that. I think, yeah, so he, I think it maybe it was just like an Instagram post where he, he put a picture of Tuchel running across the touchline and said, good job I didn't see you, otherwise I would have tripped you up, crying face, like laugh, laugh, crying face emoji. Um. And I've heard people say, oh, it was like a joke, but like, there's no, it's like, it's a malicious joke, right? Like, I don't think that was in a fun spirit. Um, but I do think Tuchel started it. I do think Tuchel was the one that gripped onto Conte's hand. Um, so I, I, I think it's just incredibly embarrassing <laughs> all around. So, um, you know, that, that's honestly how I feel. Yes, I agree. I think that um, it's pretty embarrassing for both of them. I mean, they're both right. like mid fifties, and uh, yeah, it's acting you know, that way. Yeah, you know, that's like ridiculous. It's so embarrassing. It's just, but, it's just, it's just the you know the machismo energy that that they think yeah. they need to cut off. It's ridiculous. 
I think yeah. for me, I had more of a negative reaction to Tuchel's hand grabbing bit okay. because that was so, yeah, like such a childish thing, and like the look yeah. in the eyes yeah. it was like so. Oh know, God, yeah, big machismo. No, I agree thing. with that. I agree um, with that. I do agree with and, that. Um, yeah, and I agree. Like Tuchel, I guess you know he knows what he's doing. I suppose so. Um, whole winding Conte up. Um, you know, I just you know, who knows what he's doing. Um, who knows? Yeah, they both who look knows, Blake. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I I think that this wasn't the greatest weekend of fixtures, apart from you know two standout games, and so you know. I, I, I think that that's why people have really, really, really latched on to this game in particular because it was a cold and like atmosphere and then all this stuff happened afterwards and then Sunes made those comments and it's all now a huge fallout thing. But we'll all move on in a week kind of thing. Um, but yeah. 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 Okay, that was going to be my next question for you. Is, do you think outside of the match at Spurs and the reverse fixture of this, do you think mm. anyone will talk about this for the rest of the season? And um, they both managers received red cards, I believe. Um, and they did, um, yeah, they did. Does this mean they're both suspended? They should for three matches. Is does it work the same way as a? Player? I don't know if it's three. I can't remember. Definitely one. Um, probably one. Yes, it's one because it's not violent conduct or anything, right? They were just being ridiculous. So I sh- it should just be one. Is a yeah. uh, aggressive handshake violent conduct? Uh, is an aggressive energy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we need to see more like uh, you know, violent conduct from referees, or sorry, from managers a la Alan Pardew versus. I know. The, or, I just sorry, want to see. Whole uh, City. David Myler. Mm, yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah. That was bad. That was real bad. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> Imagine Antonio Conte headbutting Thomas Tuchel. Um, oh, that would be a terrible, terrible. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah. So I'm sure by next week you will all forget about this. Um, Oscar, are there any matches you're looking forward to this next week? Looking forward to? Definitely not yeah. looking forward to playing Brighton. Yeah. The, everyone's Boston. bogey team, and they're better than us. I think we'll go three matches without a win to open the season, Blake. Um, or three yeah. losses, even. Well, uh, Fulham, Fulham, Brentford. I think that'll be cool. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and Man U, Liverpool. Play Liverpool. Will be hilarious. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, the battle for nineteenth between West Ham losing to Brighton and Man U <laughs> losing to Liverpool. Honestly, yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like this next week is also going to be kind of a quite predictable week um mm, i think i agree i think i i if i made my 10 predictions i think i would be pretty confident in all of them mm. to come true um a shame i'm not a betting man um oh well okay oscar uh, anything else to talk about yes nope i'm good that's that's me wrapped up for another week it's been a good one
Um, I guess I will leave you with um, a final question. Are there any transfer rumors that you've seen that you think would be an excellent signing um, for any of these premier spots? Oh, excellent signing. So, this is a bit niche. Ben Brereton-Diaz, subject to to a bid from Nice. I like the moves that Nice are making. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I think that... I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I've really got my eye on any rumors right now. I, I'll tell you one I hate. I don't want Moises Caicedo to go to Man U, because he's great. Wesley Fofana to Chelsea, I think... I think that it would be a very good signing for Chelsea, um, I have to say. I think Wesley Fofana is quite good. Um, but no, you know what? No, I don't, I don't think I have anything really that I'm particularly excited about right now. What about you? Um, well, is the Wesley Fofana, how much is that? It's like 80 million. It's so much money. So much money. Wesley Fofana is 80 million. No, no, he's he's not worth it. He's not worth it. But Chelsea don't care. It's Harry Maguire money. Chelsea don't care though. They don't care. Um, okay. Most interesting, I think, um, Frankie De Jong, the end of the saga. Um, yes. It, it looks like he will not be going to Manchester United, but the right. question of whether he's he to Chelsea, um, desperate, will be very interesting. Um, Mateus Cunha, it's rumored that the deal is agreed. Um, to Manchester United. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that one. I don't He's moved around a lot for such a young player. Um, and, you know, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess he's always been successful. But, um, mm. yes. I, I don't know. There, I think there's a ton of interesting um, things. Um, on the Newcastle front, uh, Everything is kind of quieted down, but uh, it's quiet again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's scary to you know, um, and uh, you know, I I guess last season I talked about how uh, I thought Newcastle fans would be, you know, pretty content with most decisions um, that would be introduced by the new ownership. Um, but that has fully gone out the window. Um, Newcastle United fans are fully deluded. Um, mm. Like already, yeah. you know, declaring that our director of football should be sacked because we haven't made a signing in a month. Um, which, you know, I guess it's just those fans had gone away um, while Newcastle were shit. And so now they're back. Um, mm. uh, and I just, I, <laughs> I do not enjoy being associated um, with those types of fans. Yeah. Um, no, I feel you. And, uh, oh, I guess the, the final thing is it's heavily rumored that the Ronaldo out at Manchester United is already a done deal. Um, yeah, I hope so. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love to have him out of the Premier League, but... Uh, can piss off, yeah. Super interesting on where he goes. I think it's I too early for a return to Portugal. Um, Portugal, yeah. It's, I think, maybe too early for a union. Well, he legally 
can't return to the United States. So, um, yep, he cannot. So, you know, it'll be very, I don't know, maybe he can go play for uh, Toronto FC and only play in the home matches. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, um, this has been episode two of season three of the Peter podcast. Um, crazy. The football is coming fast and quick, and hopefully, podcasts uh do not fall behind schedule um yeah returning to work this this week so uh we'll see but i think also yeah my return to the united states um may put a dent in uh, yes recording but um it might be a little sporadic actually because i'm not going to be available any more to record during the day on a weekday so We'll have to see, but we'll make it work. Maybe being back in the US will. Yeah, Maybe there'll be there'll be a couple solo pods, or something like that. Yeah, I I always wondered about me doing a solo pod and you doing a solo pod and then stitching them together. Yeah, I was just yeah, that'd be funny. Um, Yeah, but uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Please leave us a review or send us an email um, or tweet at us or follow us or do whatever you'd like. Uh, Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye.